five, four, three, two, one. Let me uh, say something to all you and be as clear and concise as possible. <laughs> those were Bud Light cases, in case you didn't see those. Okay, and let's go over here to the, this is the, uh, this is Sky News in Australia. Um, and this is the VP of Marketing for Budweiser. Um, and we'll talk a little more about her in the article. She's explaining what she's thinking about um, about putting the this transgender activist or whatever character, TikTok character, on cans of Bud Light as a promote as a as a thank you gift or something. It, it's not like it's available in stores, but here here she goes. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover i mean bud light had been kind of a brand of fratty kind of out of touch humor <laughs> appealing to men and women really this With, is sky uh, news uh, from australia how can these people rise to these positions being so obviously incompetent and uh Alyssa is uh says a bit more during that explanation and none of it justifies this bizarre <laughs> decision and and we've seen the fallout from it already I think the the way the reason they rise to that position is the system ultimately rewards it, and that's you know what this comes down to that they have made some calculation that there's some undefined benefit from aligning with these causes that supersedes old-fashioned business principles such as having a brand uh, ambassador that reflects the brand and uh, caters to the the core audience, which is male, you know, working class, frat boys, that is Budweiser's core audience. I don't think this brand, brand ambassador speaks to them and women. Everybody knows it, but there's some some reward, I think, in aligning with these causes, and that's why they do it. And if they think left-leaning, radical women are going to start drinking Bud Light because you've <laughs> teamed up with Dylan Mulvaney, or you're going to have, I don't know, the trans community who uh, are minuscule in number suddenly boosting your sales, I mean, that is just... So harebrained, so stupid that... <laughs> That's enough of that. <laughs> and I don't know these people. I don't, you know, I don't watch Sky News Australia. I think it's like a state-owned uh, station. Um, but, um, you know, it... Well, here, let's get... Now, I, I wanted to go over to, to Marketing Brew because I thought, well, what a great, what a great appropriate name to discuss this... <laughs> This brewing controversy. <laughs> so anyway, what's going on with the Bud Light backlash? Okay, so here's Dylan Mulvaney, and here's the the can. They sent her some cans, and probably they have you know some kind of a shrink wrap thing where they can put anything they want on a, on a can. Uh, and so they decided to. I don't know that anyone looks good in blue with a blue face. Looks. You know, we used to look like that when we swam early in May in the lake. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so uh, she, Katie here, let's see, yeah, Katie Hicks mentions, uh, mentions, 
there's all links to all these commercials and things. This is a lot of fun. Uh, links to Kid Rock's uh, machine gunning of the Bud Light. There's lots of those. I saw one where they were steamrolling a lot of a lot of Bud Light. It was pretty amazing. There's Spam Risk calling me again. Anyway, um, so so Alyssa. Uh, Heinerschein is the VP of marketing, and I saw a video with her talking about how she was the very first woman in a uh, in the VP of marketing brand role, um, and she took great um, you know she took great pride in that, and that's fine. I'm having my coffee, um, but uh, Rolling Stone pointed out that woke boycotts typically don't impact brand's bottom line well you know it kind of depends so a couple of years ago i spoke out a bit when jc penny hired ron johnson as the ceo he was from apple and without any testing or really listening to anyone he revamped the stores to try to attract the gay community now i think this was based on the book the tipping point where um hush puppies my dad's shoes my dad wore hush puppies all the time. Um, but but two gay men in in um, New York City were walking down the street and saw hush puppies in the window and put them on, and they are wonderfully comfortable. And uh, they thought these were cool. No one had shoes like this. No one was wearing hush puppies. So they started wearing them, and it became a fashion trend. And hush puppies was about on its last gasps of air. They didn't know what to do, and all of a sudden their sales took off, and they couldn't figure it out. And so it turns out that um, I think they hired the author of Tipping Point to go find out what happened. They didn't know what happened. It's just their sales just went. And what they found was there were influencers, and these influencers were fashion uh, predictors or something. And so it it went wild. And um, based on that idea, J.C. Penney decided to uh, do to change their advertising from you know back to school specials and things like that you know sale and you know their average customer was making 40 grand and had a bunch of kids and you know husband and wife and the wife would go in and buy stuff for the the, the dad and the kids and then buy a wash machine kind of that kind of business model and so uh, and so they decided to change all the stores change all the stuff and put uh, gay families in their in their ads and you know numbers vary on the, the size of that market but um, you know a gay family with kids is a subset of a subset and it w was not a very big market so uh, and some of their of their customers were were bothered by that and decided that they could shop elsewhere for the same kind of stuff and so from a peak in 2012, when this happened, 2011 was when Ron Johnson came on. But by 2012, the the stock had it was at about $43, and um, it stopped trading at 18 cents in 2020 with COVID, and it um, it just it, you know it really did plunge. They lost four billion in valuation in uh, just a few just a few months. I think by the fall of 2012. 
Um, and that, that wasn't really, you know, bad times. Um, so sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And in the beer industry, Schlitz, you know, was the biggest, was the biggest brewer in America before Anheuser-Busch. And they decided to change the formula on their beer. And uh, it seemed to work. They took out some additive that helped it stay foamy longer. And, uh, but, but the replacement additive caused snowflakes in the beer uh, after a couple of months in storage. And there's rumors that there's huge landfills of millions and millions of bottles, but Slitz never recovered from that. Um, beer's a funny thing. There's a lot of alternatives on beer, so we'll see. Time will tell whether this has any impact or not. Um, you know, it's certainly not black and white that boycotts don't work. Um, and it's funny what beer, <laughs> you know, what is traditional marketing, right? Salience, Mark Ritson might say, they're getting a lot of attention. Uh, maybe, and maybe there will be people trying Bud Light for this reason. Maybe, why not? But um, the numbers just don't seem to back it up. That's what I argued at, in J.C. Penney's case, is that you're taking a you're taking a, a relatively large target market and you're exchanging it literally for a minuscule one. So your chances, your upside, your upside odds, there's literally no upside. You know, to think that fashion trend setters will go to jc penny suddenly is was is crazy you know that's the opposite of what they can't tell their friends well i got this at jc penny <laughs> right it's not gonna work so you have to be careful in marketing salience isn't everything okay let's get over to now let's get over to craig huey is first class mail faster than marketing mail and the answer the short answer is it takes Marketing mail is slower. It takes about six to seven days. Uh, first class mail takes about five days coast to coast. Now, there is there is a, a bit of a solution or something you can do to speed up your mail. And that is you can truck it across the country. So I work with Paul um, Lawson down in, in Phoenix, and they routinely will, will, you know, in a decent sized mailing, will deliver it across across the country they'll take a truck and put it over there in in uh new york or someplace and you can you know drop it in there in the mail there and it will get delivered then that'll cut three or four days off of it right uh, right on its own so and you get a discount for that um so that can work in your favor also um okay so now this is the article i really wanted to get to jeff Taren, uh and jeff and i exchange ideas regularly Jeff is over at Gunderson Direct, and he's talking about building better lookalike models for direct mail prospecting. I have not worked that much in prospect models because um, there's not that much lift, to be honest. It uh, for all the demographics, you know, and I have I've done modeling projects with with database companies. So Abacus, for example, sent me all their data for one of my clients, and we cooperatively looked at how that would work um i did a i did a project for lovesack and for um rescue missions and we got all the households in a market okay so houston we got everybody we got everybody and we got all the geodemographic factors which is an interesting peak under the hood in these 
demographic files that are um, you know most mostly used when you when you read articles about direct mail they mostly talk about you know targeting a geodemographic area which is you know rarely worked for me back in the 80s well one of the reasons it didn't work in the 80s was because only half of america had credit cards and half of america only half of america was comfortable buying remotely uh, which is what we call buying direct it's actually remote it's direct with the merchant but it's remote uh, as far as you know handing the cash to somebody you got to send it somehow and so we tended to use response files people who who bought through the mail tended to look at their mail even if it was unrelated to what they'd previously bought although you know that always helped too so we almost always focused on response lists that is not done as much anymore uh, partly because there aren't as many um, you know direct mail people <laughs> direct mail companies catalogs hi Donna nice day here in Wisconsin eh we're live yesterday I sent Scott a little video on lighting he was complaining about how he couldn't do he couldn't make an artificial intelligence copy of himself because he couldn't get enough light from his little makeup mirrors that he was using so I told him about my lights and how I use coffee filters over the top of business lights he wrote me back and he said he didn't want to illuminate his wrinkles anyway so you can see all mine um, anyway so prospect modeling is tricky right because when we got under the hood of the data it there, you know for the rescue mission we thought well people who read their Bible that was a variable in this data set uh, people who listen to Christian radio was a variable what was the population you know how how, how well represented was it well it was about 99% empty right I mean, not not that that's the only people that listen to or read listen to Christian radio or read their Bible, but that's all the data they had, right? And so even if it works in a model, even a, you know it just doesn't work. It doesn't give you any numbers, and that's part of marketing, right? Part of marketing is is the size of the market, right? That's what Willet Blend had going for it. Everybody could use a blender, right? Okay, so so anyway. Intuitively, prospects selected based on customer models should outperform straight demographic or firmographic, and I don't even know what firmographic is, so Jeff is going to have to explain that to us, uh, selected prospects. Well, maybe, right? It depends. You know, if it's an affinity, you know, you've heard me tell the story of Wyndham Hill Records who said, well, our, 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 our music buyers are men 35 to 55 high income high education like silicon valley programmers or something and they said but we rent those lists and we don't get any orders and i said maybe they don't like your music i mean i didn't say that because it would have been rude but uh i suggested that they put a little free catalog you know right for your free catalog kind of thing inside their cds so they were actually targeting the people who were buying their cds Right, Chicago Cutlery. When I worked with them, had an 800 number on the bottom of their fry pans. They they also were they were owned by General Housewares, so you could buy other other pieces of of complementary. They had cast iron. They had uh, they had a lot of different products, and so they were doing decent sales just by going to the people that already had their product. Okay, 
um, almost always that's a better place to, to, to work. And oftentimes your old customers are relatively are, are relatively more likely than a prospect list and can still be almost considered a new customer. Uh, Jeff mentioned Sam Kubalawi uh, as their data scientist. I don't know Sam, but I'm happy to I'll reach out to him. Okay, so what do we, what do we do for a prospect model? Well, the first thing they do, they said, is they here's the positives, okay? It's very inexpensive, it's very convenient. Uh, so down here, how do we build? The first thing we do is we consider these broad categories. The data you provide as input to building the models. What data are you going to send us? The data files we model against. That's the under the hood stuff I was talking about. Assumptions and uses of model input and output data. So the customer data is what they use to build the model. And there's a, you know, there's there's a kind of an interesting assumption there because a customer file is not the same as a rented list, okay? And like for in Fisherman, we built prospect models when the, for the Cabela's list, and it was different than for the Bass Pro Shops list, okay? So the best way is to mail to a list somewhat broadly and then take those results and see what generated the best response what variables mattered the most what geodemographics what list variables that you were able to use typically you can't get that many but okay um we were using 500,000 records in our models <laughs> which gave us a little more ammunition right uh sam says you could do it with 5,000. okay don't know but um but the first thing we do when we work with a customer for modeling is we make is we try to make a model that reflects what they're doing right now because we want to know the incremental lift of the model okay we didn't used to do that we used to just build them the best model we could but now we do an a b split where we mail their method of modeling and we do our method of modeling and typically we get um something like a hundred percent lift incremental lift on the on the holdouts it's not exactly an ab it's sort of a you you do a match and there's 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 a lot of common names and then on the edges there's unique names to our model unique names to your model and we compare the performance of those two and and regularly we get more than 150 percent lift from our model just saying um and so that gives you a benchmark of what it's worth to do the modeling system, right? Okay, always a good place to start. And they and they may do that. They, they you know, all the time. I have, you know, <laughs> whoever writes a blog post, you know, they have to simplify it. And so, you know, I can dance around the edges. So I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying they probably didn't mention it. Okay, and uh, you know, does customer vintage are old customers different than new customers? Always a great question. There's a lot of great questions in this article. I've gone too long. It's a Friday. You don't want to take your whole day. Uh, like and subscribe. Subscribe to WDMA.org. Go over there, WDMA.org slash join. It's in, the, it's in the LinkedIn show notes. I think it's also on, you, on YouTube. Um, and just you know, fill, fill in the little form, and then you can have access to the member area. 
and that will have these marked up articles. And feel free to, to chime in and give me your comments. 